So it has been a while. If I take you back, about a year ago I said to Patricia, <clears throat> clerk of session for those who are visitors, I really could do with a sabbatical probably next year just to get a time away, time to stop. We'd like to go to Vancouver. We've got a, a house swap there. We could do a few lectures in Regent College. And uh, I don't mean do lectures in Regent College. I mean go and listen to lectures in Regent College. That's really what I think we should be doing as a family. But sadly, my daughters rebelled and said, um, how would we change the world in Vancouver, Daddy? Let's go back to Onelaku and do something useful with our time. And uh, you got the blessing of the house swap because Ross came and stayed for a few weeks uh, in the months and preached here in Fitzroy. And I, I think I'm thankful for it. But every time I heard him about him, he was so flipping good that I was really quite frightened about coming home. Um, we, on the other hand, then took this time away, and um, it certainly, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a uh, holiday. Um, I was counting up, I spoke 11 times in uh, the 17 days or so that we were uh, in Uganda. Um, the, the girls did incredible stuff with uh, the kids in the school, all kinds of crafts and um, knitting and all kinds of things. But it was sabbatical in a sense. It's sabbatical in the sense that um, I'm, Sabbath means stop. At the end of those six days of hard work, um, God stopped and took a rest. Now, though it wasn't complete rest, there was a stop. Um, the night I was uh, ordained, um, Lawrence Kirkpatrick, now in Union College, told me not to spin plates in my ministry. Um, I think what he should have said is that ministry is spinning plates, but he, he tried to say, try not to do that. And that's what we stopped. I didn't get up in the morning and think, youth work, Donegal Pass, Mornington, Botanic Primary, uh, Service for Sunday, Clonard Fitzroy, Four Corners Festival, session meeting, committee meeting, fundraisers, all those plates stopped. And we had only one plate we were spinning which was right in front of us on a day-to-day -day basis as a family. And that, in some sense, is refreshing and rest. I think it was only when we came home, probably the first week after we came home, that we realized that physically we certainly hadn't stopped and we needed to stop. And then I went through this process in Ballycastle. About three or four days after I get a holiday, you don't want to be anywhere near me. It's like the gunge is dragged out of my soul and I am one seriously obnoxious human being. Well, more obnoxious than normal, Janice might say. There's something that happens when you completely switch that off that things have to get out. And so that process happened. And then I got to a frightening point this year. And maybe it was because of the three weeks of not spinning plates. But I got to a frightening point where I was angry with rest because I felt flat. I actually felt, I'm so restful. I'm so lying on my back that I can't even envision. And maybe God was doing something there because if I'm envisioning, I'm not actually resting. And thankfully I got through that process because I was thinking at one point, never going on holidays again because I hate this restful thing. And last Saturday night, we were at Deacon Blue up in, at, at the Fela uh, in, the, in Falls Park. And it was the first Saturday night gig. I had to miss one last night because 
Saturday night gigs are not good for a minister like me who's in the zone on a Saturday night trying to work out what Sunday's going to look like. But last Saturday night, we were in the Falls Park listening to one of my favorite bands, and I never, probably for maybe 20 years, never felt as relaxed as that moment. And all those are important parts that all of us need to do in our lives. And my question as a pastor would be, do we? Are we aware we need to? Are we aware that God almost calls us to the obedience to? And in the world that we live in, not only the working life that we live in, but even in the time we spend on vacation nowadays, are we getting through the gunge to the almost being flat, to relax, to refresh, to come back in? James Bay, hold back the river everywhere. I bet you, you know hold back the river if you're sitting here this morning saying, I've never heard of it. I bet you you've heard hold back the river somewhere on some ad or some television program or whatever else. My friend Ian wrote that song with James Bay. He played here. If you were there, you could remember he jumped on top of an organ right there and I thought, oh no, don't do that Ian. But he did and we got rid of the organ as a result. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a nice song, James Bay's Hold Back the River. But when Ian played it uh, at a, a gig in the Nashville Belfast Festival last year, he explained the song. And he said that James came in to write and he said to him, life's so busy, Ian. There's no time for people you love and there's no time for doing the things you need to kind of do. And so they came up with this idea. Hold back the river, let me look in your eyes. So it's holding back the river so as you can focus your attention. Yes, it's a love song. Yes, it's on your beloved, I guess. But hold back the river so I can stop for a minute and see where you hide. So as I can stop. So as I can Sabbath. So as I can get out of this rat race. One of my favorite other bands, The Head and the Heart, have a song called Let's Be Still. The world's just spinning a little too fast. If things don't slow down, soon we might not last. The world's not forgiving of everyone's fears. The days turn into months and the months turn into years. So just for a moment, just for a moment, let's be still. These are cries for Sabbath. Cries for Sabbath in the general mainstream culture of our day. Do we cry for Sabbath? Do we need to hold back the river? Do we need to stop and be still? Today's passage in Luke chapter 10 and one of the other readings from Isaiah 58, which if it was the winter, I would probably go into as well. But let's say it's the summer and try and get out of here uh, a bit earlier than normal. Luke chapter 10 is on a Sabbath. And Jesus goes in on this Sabbath and heals this woman. And of course, we're aware of Luke's gospel, are we not? Because last year, we looked through Luke's gospel, or Luke chapter 13, by the way. Um, uh, Last year, we we did that journey um, from chapter 9 through to Palm Sunday. We knew this, and we knew that Jesus was constantly coming into confrontation with the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. And here it happens again. And some people would ask, is this a miracle story? Or is this a teaching story? And some commentators would rightfully say it's probably a wee bit of both in one. 
Jesus doesn't go into too much details about the healing, but a healing happens. But the main gist of it then is liberation. Liberation not only for the woman who's liberated, but in some senses liberation from the legalism of the Sabbath that Jesus is confronting. Now, Jesus doesn't do away with the Sabbath in this passage. Jesus never does away with the Sabbath. What he does is he reboots the Sabbath. He frees the Sabbath up from the legalism to get Sabbath into what Sabbath should be. That's what happens here in the story that Sonia was reading to us. He says, but you would take out your animals and give them water on the Sabbath. So let's loosen up this legalism, guys. I'm healing this woman and its relationship is more important than legalism here. We want to free this up. We want to liberate this. And of course, it takes us back to that story in Mark chapter 2, where a similar thing happens, and Jesus says those amazing words, that the Sabbath is made for humanity and not humanity made for the Sabbath. Crucial lines in all kinds of ways that we look at the Scriptures. Jesus doesn't do away with the law in this story. And of course, Luke is really interested in Gentiles, and we could think that maybe this is another bash at Judaism. No, where he talks about the woman as a woman of Abraham, it's very much in the context of Jesus' Jewish identity. But within that Jewish identity and within that law that the Jews would hold to, he is bringing a flexibility, but not losing the essence or the importance of what he's talking about. Isaiah 58, if I did spend much time in that, and it is the passage that uh, Bono used when he did the national prayer breakfast at the White House and uh, told um, uh, President Bush at the time how he could have a far better overseas security if he would just follow the things that Isaiah said um, in this particular chapter. But don't get me going on that one. What I want us to do in the last wee bit, not hold you too long on this particular Sabbath, is to ask well, what is the re-looking at the Sabbath without losing it? And what does it mean that it was made for humanity and not humanity for it? Uh, when it comes to Sabbath, uh, the guru in my thinking about it has been Walter Brueggemann. He's done an awful lot of stuff on Sabbath. He has a book called uh, Sabbath, Sabbath as Resistance. And here's just a couple of quotes from him that will give us a wee bit of a context. And sorry about the segment. It's really quite complex, but it's really quite brilliant. Um, the first one says, human des- in human desires we strive to satisfy every day of the week. But it's only when we Sabbath away from the world and turn our attention to heaven that we ask the question the psalmist asked, whom have I in heaven but you and there is nothing on earth I desire beside you. Brigham is saying that the world we live in, it strives to satisfy us you buy this or you get this or you attain this or they think of you this way or you get this BT address or you get this role or this job or this whatever. But Sabbath takes us away from all of those distractions and asks the more important question. Psalm 73 verse 25. I use it an awful lot in visitation. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire beside you. That's not an egotistical God saying, you need to give all that other stuff up because I'm the only person I want you to be thinking about. That's a caring, shepherding God who's saying, if you really want to find life in its fullness, if you really want to make your way through the clatter and the clamor of that world out there, then you need to see that the things that I'm offering 
as your creator and redeemer are far, far, far more precious than the stuff out there. So stop and realign and rethink what is it we're living for. Next quote. In our contemporary context of the rat race of anxiety, the celebration of Sabbath is an act of resistance and alternative. It is resistance because it is a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by the production and consumption of commodity goods. Sabbath, stop, switch off, go and meet a community of people, hang out with them, worship with them, sing songs with them, have a little bit of thinking with them, pray with them, have a cup of tea and coffee after it with them, get to know them. What is that Sabbath doing? What is a Sunday in Fitzroy doing for us? It's helping us to see that we are not defined by the production and consumption of commodity goods. Brueggemann goes on. Such an act of resistance requires enormous intentionality and communal reinforcement amid the barrage of seductive pressures from the insatiable insistences of the market with this intrusion into every part of our lives from the family to the national budget. Sabbath is a resistance and we need to be intentional about it and it needs to be a communal reinforcement. One of the communal reinforcements that I believe we have here is that ability for our young people when it comes to a week like it's past here where their whole world and their whole culture around them is about these results, that the communal reinforcement that they've had since they were walking up that aisle, just like the kids were leaving here and now, has been that you're more precious than the commodities outside. You're more precious than the results you might get. You're more precious than all those things the world wants to label you. Because in this community, we're telling you that not only God loves you as you are, But you're loved as you are by this community, by this family. That's an incredible resistance to the pressures that again, sadly, this week have caused so much anxiety and difficulty to a generation of teenagers that harm themselves more than any other generation, that are in more antidepressants than any other generation, that are sadly committing suicide more than any generation before them. We have this act of communal resistance that if they're brought up in this family right here, that on a Sunday they stop from the madness out there and they can become who they are as they were made to be, as they were redeemed to be. And it's not just the teenagers. We all need to switch off our role in society and just be Steve or Michael or David or Sonia or Christine or whoever it is that we are today. We need to create a communal resistance, communal reinforcement in the way we have tea and coffee as much as in what we do in our service that allows us to stop and be freed up and have resistance to the world. But He goes on, Sabbath is not only resistance, it is an alternative. It is an alternative to the demanding, chattering, pervasive presence of the advertising and its great liturgical claim of professional sports that devours all of our rest time. Boy, do the Olympics prove that. The alternative on offer 
is the awareness and practice of the claim that we are situated in the receiving end of the gifts of God. A world out, of, out there wants us to buy all the gifts that there are, buy everything that we can be, buy our identity, buy our satisfaction, buy our happiness, buy our joy. The alternative of Sabbath, the alternative of an offer is an awareness and a practice of the claim that we are situated on the receiving end of the gifts of God, which are worship hopefully in Fitzroy, which all that we do in Fitzroy hopefully is a communal alternative to. That's why we come out on a Sunday morning. I know what it's like. You're thinking, is Stockland going to go on behind after 12 o'clock? What is the worship going to be like? Is it going to be my style this morning? Do I really want to go out this morning? Going out is that life choice that we make to come into a place of worship, taking time out of the world to find a communal reinforcement and resistance and alternative to what's been beating us up for the week that we've been in and the week that we will go out into. Of course, Sabbath is not just coming to church, but I can understand why the traditional of Christianity has been to set a worship service in the midst of this day of stopping because it helps us to reboot and to realign and refresh. So what do we do? What do we do in the ruthless, relentless graceless world that we've come out of. I remember, and I go back to it time and time again, and she gets more and more embarrassed every time I do talk about it, but I remember being in South Africa, again, not in a restful time, but in a stopping sabbatical time. We'd been there for two weeks with a particular team, and it was the morning before they left to fly home. And I said to them as we were, what were the best things that happened on the trip? And they shared those. And then I said, what is it you're looking forward to going home to and they shared that and then I said what is it you're not looking forward to go home to and one girl looked at me and said Steve the relentlessness I want to stay here because I do not want to go back into the relentlessness of the pressures that are on me in my life what is Sabbath doing that well thankfully we've got rid of the legalism of it a legalism that a friend of mine who was a Presbyterian who is a Presbyterian minister used to come out of church and drive for seven miles into uh, the worst work, working class housing estate that was near him because he could buy the Sunday papers there because nobody knew who he was. Or the other one who left a congregation because he foolishly a couple of Sundays went to the coast and they found out that he took his family for a drive at the coast on the Sabbath. Or, and Isaiah 50, it's all about delighting in the Sabbath or that famous story that I go on about, which may be true or may not be true, but it's a great story of the Church of Scotland minister who had a lake between him, or a loch it would be, between him, uh, one of his churches and the other church, and in the winter it froze over and he used to skate there. And they used to say, but he's, he's, he shouldn't be allowed to skate there on a Sunday. So President met and decided that he could skate there on a Sunday, as long as he didn't enjoy it. Even if it's not true, it's a great story. We freed ourselves up from that kind of stuff. But let's not free ourselves up so much that we miss that this is there in the commandments for some helpful reason for us as individuals and a community and a society. Brigham, of course, would say that it was against that seven days of slavery that they were able to get out of that 
being a slave, that for one day they could be children of God in the midst of all that. There was something to do with that that Brueggemann goes on about a lot. But what do we do? What practically can we do? Well, practically, of course, we can come to church. And I don't mean come to church. I mean we can be part of this communal group of people. And I say to my friends who say to me, and maybe it's some of you, my friends say to me, oh, I don't get much out of that and I'm not going anymore. I've never been to a service or I've not got something out of. If I have been to a service and I've thought, that was the worst service I've ever been at in my life. That guy said absolutely nothing. I then had to think why I thought it was absolutely nothing. And what I might have put in the place of the absolutely nothing. So for one hour in a week, whether I agree with him or not, I'm thinking differently than I would do if I wasn't there. And I've watched my friends drift and say to me rightfully, we don't need to go to church. No, there's no, you don't get into heaven because you come to church. But I've watched them and because they haven't stopped and thought about something, even if the thinking about it's wrong, they have stopped that process of allowing the communal resistant alternative to have a place in their lives and in the end it does drift. So I would encourage you to come and join us. Of course I would. But I'd also say it has to be more than a Sunday morning. What do we do with the rest of our Sunday? Do we spend it with family? Where does God come into that? Do we rest? Do we rest? I mean, do we rest? Resting's not easy in the world that we live in completely. Because your iPhone's with you and the office is right in your pocket. But do we switch off and rest? Do we get to that place where we've almost flattened out? Do we get to that place where the gunge comes out? Do we refresh? And what I would suggest in that is, and I'm very fortunate because Presbyterian ministers, one of the things, one of the many gifts you've given to us is this idea that we take these four weeks off in the summer. Now, I know most of you don't get four weeks off at a time in the summer. But don't, take, don't think that three days here and three days there and three days another place might be good. Well, it might be for you, but I'm not sure that that's good. I think and we need time. Sabbatical is not just something we do once a week, but it should be something we concentrate over our year and say, when are we getting the time? To stop, to drop the spinning plates, to reconfigure. Ponder about it. Ponder about it. And ask yourself, now and again, whatever way you can, what are the ways that the world is bombarding us? Where is it relentlessly hitting us? And what do we need to do about that? How can we realign that? Where does God come into that? Where does our relationship with God come into that? Where does our relationship with God's people come into that? Where does our relationship with the people outside of what we define as God's people to do with that? And I would bring us back. I would bring us back to these Olympic athletes. I think this year I've seen more tears than in any other Olympic Games. And I think it's because they genuinely work harder and harder and harder. I've also heard more thank yous than ever before. More gratitude for the people that have got them to be there. Maybe more sense of satisfaction. So what about us if those who go into training for medals that will not last and we have this medal that will last forever? What about the rest days for the runners? 
What about the focusing and the plan? What about not letting the world get around them? That hockey player last night was saying, and I think she got herself into a bit of problems actually, because she said, all those weddings that I missed, well, I don't regret them. Well, her friends whose weddings they missed probably were going, oh, she really doesn't regret them. So the commentator was trying to get her out of that one. But she said, this was a life choice for me, and it is a commitment I make, and it's the pinnacle of what I wanted to do with my life. Sabbath is crucial to life in all its fullness. Sabbath is something that needs rewritten, it needs not lost, it needs rebirthed, it needs held on to, it needs worked out for the generation that we live in. How are we going to use a time to stop to make us into the people that God wants us to be? As we were going to bed late last night, very late with the Olympics, a friend put up on Facebook and I didn't have a Facebook quote for the sermon. He just put this up. How I need to rediscover the ability to be free just to be. I went, that's it. And I said to him, oh, that's brilliant. I might use that in the morning. And he'd come back. There is too much in and around us, which is all about performing and perfecting and producing. All the sodding peas, he said. Sabbath is here to help us to deal with performing, perfecting, and producing, and to help us be who we are in God. May it be so. Let's pray. Lord, our world caresses and collides with our faith. It's in constant engagement. It's constantly connecting with us. From the moment we leave here, there will be diaries and schedules and advertising, and things to do, and to buy, and to put us under all kinds of stress. Lord, I pray that as a community, we would become communal reinforcement of an alternative. Communal reinforcement, that commodity is what it's about, that the identity the world gives us is who we are, and that we might find what you made us to be, what you redeemed us to be, and that we would be a community that models that in all the relationships across all of these pews and generations, etc. Create within us a place where we can Sabbath, where we can reboot, realign, and refresh. Please, Lord, by your spirit, make us that community. In Christ's name, amen.